Hello, and welcome back to the Product Launch Podcast. As always, I'm the host, Sean Boyce, CEO and founder of Next Step. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today, Virginia Liu. Virginia is the SVP of Marketing and Ecosystems at Agora. Hello, Virginia. How are you? And thanks for being on the show. Hi, Sean. Good morning. It's good to be here. Yeah, thank you for being here. And we're excited to talk about the topic we have picked for today. But before we dive in there, if you could give for our listeners more information about your background and how you became the SVP of Marketing and Ecosystems at Agora. Sure, happy to. Um, I'm with Agora for about three years now. Uh, before then, I was at Microsoft. I've done a variety of roles, primarily in sales and marketing. And um, the last role that I was doing at Microsoft was the, the director of Windows Developer Program. Uh, so I was part of um, part of this battle for mark, mobile market share between Windows Phone, Android, and, and iOS. Right. So uh, I think I think the the result is 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 you know, it's, it's obvious now. Um, but that actually I feel Windows Phone has a very great product. Uh, it was one of the best mobile phone that I've ever used. Uh, however, I think it was just too late to the market. Uh, so it was a really good lesson to learn, I think for, for me and also for, for many people on the team. Sometimes it's, it's really not enough to have a good product, right? Really how you go to market and the timing of go to market is super important. Um, so, um, and then I think I, um, eventually I was, I was looking about, uh, I was looking around to see if there's a smaller company that could join to have a bigger impact. Uh, I was at the career stage and I felt, um, you know, I've learned enough. It's time to contribute and try to see a grow company. And then uh, I met with the CEO of Agora at the time and I realized, wow, this is really great product. It's a great, great video product. Uh, really amazing to see the quality and the low latency. So I felt, wow, this is a great product. Really want to bring this product to market and, and see the success and, and, and try to grow this company. So, uh, so that was pretty early stage and, and very glad that I did. And now I think uh, Agora has grown uh, to a much, much bigger company and, um, and we also won an IPO this year. So it's, just, it's really rewarding to see all the growth and all the success the company has so far. It's super exciting. It sounds like you've been, uh, I know we've had conversations about this previously, but on a rocket ship of sorts, especially throughout this year, as demand for the services and the product at Agora has increased considerably. But before we kind of dive into talking about that, if you could give for our listeners a background in terms of what Agora is and the types of like products that are offered uh, at Agora. Sure. Um, Agora is basically you know, what we consider uh, RTE Pass, a real-time engagement platform as a service, right? So this is basically we offer API and uh, an SDK for developers to build applications using real-time audio, video, and streaming. And so what it does is allow every app developer, whether you're using you know, targeted mobile or web or, or even AR, VR, right? You can easily embed the video functionality inside your application without having to recreate the infrastructure. Uh, so that's it. in the nutshell. That's what we do, and fundamentally, the way that we're different from other uh, past providers in a similar space is that we build a really intelligent network. Uh, we call SDRTN. Uh, what it is is a is a virtual network overlay um, connected over 250 data center, what we call the point of presence around the world, and and that's the reason why. Uh, our users can receive really, really high quality video uh, because of low latency and, and the, the way that it routes traffic intelligently across the network. Uh, so I think that the easier way to describe the difference um, is, is, is that we're building a HOV link, right? So it's, a, it's a carpooling over the public internet. 
Uh, so you can actually can get your traffic routed uh, through the fast lane. Uh, we don't have to you know, be in the, in the regular lane and, and being congested with all the other cars. I know I'm always looking for those lanes. So I'm excited to learn more about that from the product perspective as well too. And it, from our earlier conversations as well too, and of course through what's transpired in 2020 with the demand for productivity tools and access to infrastructure tools to enable uh, better productivity. I know demand at Agora has changed considerably and uh, in the fact that it has increased. So can you talk a little bit about how things have changed for you guys throughout this year? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, well, since I think since February, we basically started working remotely. And I used to travel to California every every other week. Um, but since February, I've been just, you know, stuck at home. I work from home the entire time. Uh, but um, while in the meantime, our business is growing, whereas right, the demand spiked uh, since March. And so we have a lot of requests, a lot of inbound, and the team had to grow. So we had to re- hire a lot of people throughout this year remotely. And so we really have to, I think we need to, f- figure out a way to grow the team and grow the business uh, with everybody being remote and hire new people remotely, right? So we actually had to practice what we pitch, uh, which is a good thing, right? <laughs> so we really um, use our technology to the fullest uh, during this time. Um, and we hire a lot of people without ever meeting them in person. Um, we've, we've done a lot of planning work and you know kickoff and business reviews and customer launch and all those things, you know, virtually and remotely. Uh, so it's actually great. Actually, actually I think if there's anything, it proves it is possible. You can actually successfully grow a business and grow a team completely remotely and virtually. It's doable. So I think that really informs us about our strategy going forward. So how do you want to build a team now? Now we need to really think about how do we get the, the I would say, essentially really take advantage of the fact that we can hire talent from everywhere, anywhere. Uh, so how we're going to, you know, essentially you know, deploy our, our team and deploy our uh, essentially future, uh, future offices, right? So all of these things uh, give us new ideas going forward. Certainly exciting. I've heard um, some of those things in common with other teams as well, too, as they kind of expand their global talent pool and things like that. So um, it makes a lot of sense. Thank you for sharing. One of the topics that I wanted to ask you about, specifically with regard to Agora, so you mentioned right platform as a service. And a lot of the products that we evaluate, they are products of and in themselves and sold that way, like a traditional SaaS product, as you might think of it. But in this instance, right, Agora, as you mentioned, kind of a platform as a service, it's more of an intermediary where it's like a series of infrastructure tools. So you're basically, you're building the tools to offer to the market for which they can use to build other tools, right? So right, case in point, how you would describe the platform as a service. So can you talk about the unique aspects of managing a, a product company like that when compared with a traditional SaaS company? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the main difference fundamentally is, I think the business model, right? how, how you acquire customer. I think from a marketing standpoint, uh, given the SaaS product, the SaaS product usually, you know, people, you know, you have the really, I think, is much, much, uh, very much outbound approach. You have you know, a lot of you know, outbound and reach out to the customers, inside sales, and then you close the deal and go live. So that's a typical process. But with with the developer platform, uh, I would say inbound is more important um, because developer they need to test 
see it for themselves and they can do it themselves, right? Essentially, they wanted to be able to sign up and try your SDK and try your video product before they make a decision, right? And since everybody else is offering pre, uh, you know, free tier now, right? we are the first one to offer free tier. They allow people to start for free with 10,000 minutes free every month. Uh, with the first one. So I should make it even easier for people to start and test it for themselves, right? Um, now, actually, many people copying the strategy and more and more people offering free tier. I should make it even easier for developers to you know, spin up a free test and see, okay, let me, let me see if, we, if we're saying it's true, right? Um, so I think from, from that perspective, I think our business model really, I think it's more important to offer a great experience, the great inbound experience without any touch, without any sales touch or even technical, you need to provide very good documentation make it super easy for people to get started on their own. Um, and then they, you know, they test it, they see it for themselves, and then they say, okay, I think you're the best. It sounds to me very uh, much like a product-led growth strategy, if you will, yeah. right? give, give access to your product away to an extent, and let's mm -hmm. see what people do with it, which mm -hmm. in, on the show we talk about strategies like that from time to time where people try to put paywalls up or restricting access to their product. And sometimes that really impacts the kind of the demand for the product and their ability to collect data to see how people have used it. So I'm always an advocate for that type of an approach where if you can offer some form of a product-led strategy approach to the customer and the client or whoever's gonna be using your product, it's an opportunity to learn from what they're doing with it. So that's kind of what I'd be curious to learn more about from you in terms of you know previous conversation you've described that there was kind of an, like an explosion of use cases from providing access to the Agora product and services from what people are doing with it. Can you share some of those details in terms of like what you've seen that you thought to be particularly interesting? And I'm also interested to learn more about how, you know, with platform as a service where people can do almost anything with your product and service, how do you organize that data to figure out how to make the product better? Because it sounds like it would create, you know, potentially like really diverse list of use cases. So how do you figure out, you know, how to track the demand and what to focus on in terms of making it better for them? Yeah, sure. Uh, to, to answer your first question, uh, we, we have seen a lot of different use cases. In fact, uh, many of those use cases surprise us. Um, they're truly, uh, truly surprising to see every day that there, there, you know, so many people actually, uh, you know, come up with new ideas and using our SDK in a very unexpected way. Um, I would say one thing in common is, is that we're seeing a lot of innovation beyond just video conferencing, right? Because when people think about COVID-19, the first thing they think about is, is Zoom and, you know, just, you know like what we're doing now. Um, but the use case we're seeing actually is way more than that, right? I think the, the key reason is, is that, you know, the Zoom call is really designed, you know, designed for more formal collaboration, very organized, structured, uh, you know, you, you kind of had to plan ahead for this, but but in everyday life, this is small small part of our life, right? In everyday in the office, you don't you don't do this kind of phone meeting all the time. Most of the office interaction actually is more of a more casual. Uh, you tap the shoulder and have a quick five minute conversation and have a water cooler conversation, right? That's that's what happened in, in the office. So we're seeing, for example, one of the, the, the app that we've seen, see tremendous growth, it's called Prackly. It's a, basically, it's a virtual office application. It does exactly what you would do in the office, really. There's actually, they literally have a room called Water Cooler Room, and you can go there to hang out and, 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 and chit chat and, or gossip, um, and allow you to have a quick micro conversation, allow you to just check out what are all the rooms that are going on right now. If, you, if anything interests you, go and drop in. Just drop in and you're part of that meeting. 
um, that's that's not something a video conferencing application offers, right? Because it's not really designed for this. It's not designed for extended period of time that you're working from home. Um, so I think that's one example. We're also seeing, you know, we're seeing a lot of virtual events, right? Because all the events are canceled. Um, it's illegal now in, mo in most states. So, uh, but people still want to gather, want to learn, and and we're seeing a tremendous amount of uh, virtual event use cases. Uh, all have very unique angles, right? So, for example, we've got uh, Air Meet, we've got Around the World, we've got um, Welcome Online. They all offer something that that video conferencing doesn't offer. For example. You know, EME let you uh, have a essentially have they have a social lounge, right? So after you know, but before you join the meeting, before you join the um, the event, the, the the keynote, right? You can hang out in, in a small table with four to five people. You can introduce each other. Uh, so that's that's the reason people actually go to events. It's not just you know watch the keynote, right? Because you can always watch it later on YouTube. Uh, actually, people go to the social to network, right? So actually, they offer the social lounge for people to social interact with each other before the keynote. Um, and uh, you got around the world allow you to actually do group selfie after the after the talk, right? So it's really nice that so you can now you know, brag this on social. That hey, look, I have, you know, I had a selfie. Actually, they call it groupie. Uh, so it's a whole group of people do a groupie together uh, with a speaker, right? So it's really fun. Um, so that's that's really engaged and really really engaging experience. Now, uh, welcome online. Actually, you know, they they actually offer something that's a little bit different. They're very high end. Uh, they offer something like the green room. So literally, you feel like actual big event. I should have a green room. You've got a producer. You got really nice bells and whistles of actually preparing for a real event. And then when it goes live, uh, you got really nice, you know, everything, right? Beautiful background, edited in real time. So really for high end events. Um, and, and now actually we're seeing even more use case of uh, virtual reality events. So essentially you're actually going to a, a event like actually in the event venue. Yeah, they create this virtual environment virtual hall um, that you can go in and, and booth, the virtual booth, everything virtual. Um, and those use cases actually, I think, I think probably we're gonna see more and more uh, because they offer much more, much more immersive experience for people to actually see and, and interact. And so I think um, that virtual event is something that we've seen continue to grow. And, and probably, I think would you know we won't stop even after COVID nineteen. I think people will see the benefit of it. Um, they will continue to use that format. Actually, have a more of a hybrid type of events going forward. Now, uh, wow, there's so much more. Um, so you tell me when 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 I give you enough. You mean outside outside of work, we're also seeing people use um, you know use that for like you know for religious gathering, right? So actually, we have a really interesting customer called our Jewish uh, Network. Uh, they, they actually uh, a Jewish heritage network. Uh, so they, they built an app to allow people to to actually celebrate Hanover together. That's in April. Uh, so actually, it was it was you know really really great. And, and they actually you know they you know they 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 allow a lot of people family to still celebrate this traditional uh, Jewish holiday together uh, without you know being able to see each other. Um, now there's actually my favorite. I was I would say that it's a it's an app called 360 Stories. Uh, so essentially, it's a virtual tourism. Uh, to allow you to explore a destination uh, of, of your preference uh, without leaving your home, right? So, and all it does actually just using the web browser. So from the web browser, you can actually pick a, a destination and then you can actually see a virtual tour. Uh, if somebody actually, you know, it's a live tour, right? So it's a live tour by a local, to, local guy and they can show you around, let's see if you're actually there. Um, so you can literally go to any destination of, uh, of your choice. Um, and that's that's really fun, and you know I think it really sort of changed the tourism, it changed what tourism means. And, um, and in fact, um, I think I was chatting with their CEO the other day, 
uh, I was asking, so what is the plan, you know, post COVID-19? He said, well, we're gonna, we're gonna go to hybrid. We're gonna go to hybrid and uh, we're gonna actually use this platform for people to find the local tour. And, and then they can go there, right? So they get a little bit of a preview. Um, they got a more authentic experience because right? a lot of times when you see those, you know, promotional videos, it's too fake. It's not real. So people really want those authentic experience, right? And that's what they get from a real-time uh, virtual, you know, conversation, virtual tour with, with, the, with a tour guide before they actually commit to actual tour. Um, so, so all those use cases really, I think it's really, um, I think share one thing in common, right? They are, they are creating something totally unique um, that's catered to that use case, tailored to the user experience that really maximize what they're trying to accomplish. And so they don't get this, um, this Zoom fatigue. But, you know, it's, you're not just like a video call. You're actually in a very, very immersive experience. Yeah, it's always interesting to learn about the different use cases people are coming up with when you have a platform as a service product. And it's very interesting to see how creative they get with those uh, different types of solutions and what they're doing with it. But can you give us a little bit of perspective in terms of since there's such diversity to what people are using the tool for, how you can capture feedback from the users in terms of what they're doing with your tool so that you can figure out how to make it better. Uh, data in terms of how people use the SDK and, and also the, the type of feature they use, what API they use, uh, and what platform they target. Um, so we, we share those feedback with the product team, right? So, so that they can continue to invest in uh, how can we make those experience better, right? So I think they're really, uh, two two angles. One is just looking at how can we make it easier for the developer to use, uh, you know, just the you know the time to market and so make it a little bit quicker for developer to actually activate those feature. Um, and the other one just what feature they're missing, right? So as a lot of times they they may say, well, this is great, but I also need X Y Z that you don't have right now. Uh, so so those are the sort of product gap or feature requests that we share with the product team. Uh, so I think that's you know it's done. You know, some of them just through, you know, through just conversations, some of them through survey. Um, and we have, we'll do MPS survey on a regular basis. So we always ask our developers, what, what do you think and how can we improve? Excellent. Thank you for sharing, Virginia. So what would your best advice be for anyone else out there building a product company, right? I know there's a number of challenges presented as uh, dealing with the pandemic and the difference in uh, demand, depending upon what it is that they're doing. But given all of your experience, right, previously with Microsoft, now with Agora, what's the best advice you have for people out there looking to build product companies of their own? Uh, well, that that's a $1 million question. Um, I, I think one thing it's, I, I always actually, uh, I think tell that to, to my team as well. Um, it's just very, you know, need to be data-driven. Uh, you, you gotta just need to collect the data, any data, there's no bad data. Uh, there's only bad interpretation of data. But you had to understand how customer using your using your product. You look at the user behavior. You understand everything. So data is everything, especially for with a product driven strategy, right? So I think you have to look at uh, your um, not only your your you know your your user profile, right? You really understand what they do. You had to really understand what they do and how they use it, and you want to make sure you offer delightful experience so they love it. Um, and I think this is a key. From a marketing standpoint, especially if you have a small budget, uh, if they don't love it, they're not going to they're not going to recommend it. They're not going to spread the word. So you're actually not going to maximize organic growth. Uh, so especially if you have a small marketing budget, you have to absolutely maximize 
organic growth. And the way to do that actually is create a just delightful product experience that they will love it and they have no choice but to recommend your product. I have said it better myself, and I'm a huge advocate for data-driven decision-making, right? No bad data, just bad interpretations of the data. So well said. Um, awesome. Well, thank you for being here, Virginia. We've got a couple of questions for you before we let you go. First one is, are there any resources you would like to promote or share with us on the show where people can go to learn more about either the topics we talked about today or anything that Agora is doing? Yeah, sure. Yeah, if you are interested in learning more about some of the amazing use cases uh, in real-time engagement, you know, follow us on, on, on Twitter or LinkedIn, Agora.io. Um, and also just reach out to me, uh, find me on LinkedIn, uh, Virginia Liu, Agora.io. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Virginia. I appreciate you sharing your knowledge and experience with myself and our audience. Great. Well, great to be here. Thank you, Sean. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Product Launch Podcast powered by Next Step. If you or anyone you know is involved in scaling a B2B SaaS business, please have them reach out to me about becoming a potential guest on our show. They can email me at sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at N-X-T-S-T-E-P.io. This time, we'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsor of our show, Next Step Consulting. Would you like to know what the right next steps are for your B2B SaaS business? Are you trying to grow and scale, but you're stuck? We can help. To find out how Next Step can help your B2B SaaS business achieve its goals, please email me, sean at nextstep.io. That's S-E-A-N at nxtstep.io. Thanks and keep disrupting. Hey folks, Sean here, and thanks for listening to this episode. I hope you got a ton of value out of it. If you did, I'd encourage you to also sign up for my free five-day email course about launching a profitable B2B SaaS application for less than $750. If you'd like to sign up for that course, you can do so at nextstep.io forward slash B2B SaaS.